0: Welcome to Stuck in the Cry Room.
1: We all know the cry room too well at church, the place we don't want
0: to go. But feel we have to because of our situation.
1: As Catholic families, many parts of our life can feel like a virtual cry room. We're stuck and don't know how to get out.
0: Host Joe Holt and John Cox will discuss these current challenges affecting today's families
1: and provide practical solutions so you are no longer stuck in the cry room.
0: I'm reading an article on so I was I,
1: I was trying better to understand Acedia, right? That's how you pronounce it, Acedia. Mm-hmm. So I was trying best to understand it. In the book that you provided me, The Noonday Devil, I didn't, I didn't get it. It was really hard for me to read. I'm just a, such a basic reader that it's hard for me to read complex writing. And I felt it was very complex. So uh, I was skimming through the internet and then I came across this paper from Baylor And Mm -hmm. it just was a collection of articles about Mm Acidia. But one of the articles in there talked specifically about depression. And there was a girl, like a case study that they were writing about, and her name was Sophia. Mm -hmm. And everything in there that they were saying, I felt that it connected very well with my daughter. How so? And her depression and everything that she was going through. Well, um, you know, I just, I just think back to when did this all start, you know, and definitely her depression and anxiety came, was definitely revealed more, um, after she had her, um, concussion, she received her concussion from figure skating. And, you know, after that, that's when we started to see it kind of coming across. So we thought it was just from the brain trauma. But, um, I think that the brain trauma and her experiences of concussion recovery made it worse. Mm -hmm. But I think it really started back in seventh grade. And I remember she had some experiences back then in school, social challenges, interacting with other kids. And that's kind of what they talked about with Sophia, that she had these pressures uh, for overachieving in school and what she was leaving behind and um, how those made her question herself inside and as she was questioning her own image and who she was and doubting things, that was almost, that was pushing God away.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And through that, she was developing then acedia. They didn't say that it was completely just acedia, that it could be depression too, but I mm-hmm. thought it was interesting that that might be the same way that we've experienced this with Anna too. Um
0: Yeah, I I would say they're absolutely linked depression and acedia go hand in hand. Um, You know, I I think I've I've been diagnosed with depression. I've gone for counseling for depression and, um, you know, reading books and getting therapy and all that stuff. And, you know, the depression for me was um, anxiety is when you're, you're, you're trying to control the future and you can't. And depression is when you're trying to control the past and you can't. Um, and that's why depression, anxiety go hand in hand is what my, my therapist was telling me. Um, but this book actually was very transformational, transformational for me because it kind of developed the spiritual side of my depression in the sense of understanding it better. Um, because, uh, yeah, I mean, all those things I, I struggle with all the time is what is the point of doing this? Why should I do this? Um, or over activity. So I'll, I'll go from one extreme of there's no point in doing anything to becoming a workaholic in a sense, working a million hours um, and just being busy, not with anything important. I don't want say nothing with important, but um, you know, being distracted with all sorts of things and finding all these side projects and stuff like that and not doing the things I want to do because it, I think it was even an article that you, you sent me um, in the book as well is, is, you know, sloth is not wanting to do what God wants you to do. Basically what it boils down to, I think um and I think that's the hard part is like I'll do anything for God except for the one thing he wants me to do which is <laughs> be a good father to my parents I could be a good father to my kids right. and pray like I mean if God wanted me to go out and evangelize and, and become a whatever speaker or if God was coming to the hermitage life or God was coming to anything else I would do it except for what he is calling me and that's why I struggle slow I have a What's the word? I don't say disposition. A loathing. I think a good word is a loathing. A loathing to do the will mm-hmm. of God, and um, I think that's my biggest struggle. And I and I, I as I was reading sloth and about the noonday devil the book and and your articles, I think what really resonated to me was just the passage over and over again kept resonating in my mind about the father who talks to his sons and he asked the first son to go work in the field and he says yes, and never does it, and the second son says no. But with a change of heart, uh, he goes out and does the work. You know, and Jesus asks the question, "Well, which one did the will of the Father?" And of course, the answer is the second. And what I noticed that is both of those two sons struggled with sloth. Um, and really, the second one he did the will of the Father, but it was about perseverance. You know, it was it was that sense of oh, having an open heart and doing those things he didn't want to do. And I think we struggle a lot with that, with our culture that wants to be comfortable with everything. And so if our work isn't comfortable, we're not happy with our work. We we have a loathing for it. And I don't think that's a good thing.
1: Yeah, well, maybe we should begin a prayer.
0: Yeah, actually, I have a prayer. Actually, it's very okay. interesting. I do have a prayer. Um, so I got um, I get a magazine from Franciscan University on from the catechesis department. Uh, they sent us that because Uh, we were going to go to the St. John Bosco conference, but we couldn't uh, because of this whole virus. Um, But what's interesting, it was funny because they sent me this magazine on leisure. Uh, Joseph people wrote a book on leisure and leisure, leisure, depends if you're Professor Martin or not, Um, however you pronounce it. And uh, so this, the whole magazine is catechesis and leisure and importance of leisure. So actually it's funny how leisure in the proper sense is the way we can overcome uh, sloth, but we'll we can talk about that. But here's a little litany um, okay. that we can do. So you know, anyone who's listening, just respond, "Help me, Jesus." Okay. Um, if they want to pray along, so um, but it's called a litany of leisure, like that. So uh, when I am tempted to always be doing something, help me, Jesus. Help me,
1: Jesus.
0: When I am tempted to be a busier. I'm sorry, we start over again. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. When I am tempted to always be doing something, help me. Help Jesus. me, Jesus. When I am tempted to be busier than necessary, help me. Help Jesus. me, Jesus. When I am tempted to be to skip prayer.
1: Help okay. me, Jesus.
0: When I am tempted to give in to distractions.
1: Help me, Jesus.
0: When I am busy being hasty.
1: Help me, Jesus.
0: When I am tempted to ignore my need for silence.
1: Help me, Jesus.
0: When I am tempted to avoid holy interruptions or inspirations.
1: Help me, Jesus.
0: When I am tempted to self-hatred.
1: Help me, Jesus.
0: When I am tempted to be emotionally inattentive or to avoid eye contact.
1: Help me, Jesus.
0: When I cannot let go.
1: Help me, Jesus.
0: When I've lost the capacity for wonder and play.
1: Help me, Jesus.
0: When I am tempted to talk too much and listen too little.
1: Help me, Jesus.
0: When I am tempted to idle curiosity.
1: Help me, Jesus.
0: When I am tempted to use Sunday to catch up.
1: Help me, Jesus.
0: When I am tempted to exchange leisurely activities such as um, reading a good book, literature, for savoring natural beauty.
1: Help me, Jesus.
0: Oh, sorry. (laughs) When I am tempted (laughs) to exchange leisure activities for superficial amusement and entertainment.
1: Help me, Jesus.
0: When I am tempted to avoid your gaze.
1: Help me, Jesus.
0: Lord, help me to have the courage to do nothing. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Spirit
1: you basically summarized it all right then, you know, in that litany, which is really beautiful. And one of the things that I was reading about in that paper from Baylor was um, all the different ways that it can affect us. You know, we can look at it from a work perspective, from a social interaction perspective. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think a lot of people with the increase in the rise of depression and suicide, Mm -hmm. I wonder how many people either are Just quickly being diagnosed with depression um, or layered with the depression is this sin that we have. And it's generally speaking, the way that we push God away. Um, And I think until I read that one paper, and this is another reason why I say that, I wonder if this is what uh, my daughter struggles with, is because um, in the last... The last time that she was um, receiving a, oh, how do I say this? When she was feeling very depressed and, um, and very anxious in her room one evening, um, you know, she asked me to come into her room and to pray with her. And so I prayed with her and she heard Jesus speak to her. And what he said is, You're, the way to healing is through me, hmm. is what he told her. She's like, I heard something. I heard something. Again, I'm like, you better write that down. That's so great. When, when you hear God speak to you, write those down and so you can have it in a journal and always look back and remember it. And the fact that he said, you know, the healing is through me, and then looking at all the examples of that one person, Sophia, I just wonder if it might benefit her to talk to a spiritual director.
0: I think so. I can't, I mean, it can't hurt. Now, I, and if you get a good spiritual director, then you can find the balance between what is clinical depression and what is sloth. And like I said, they go hand in hand. I mean, psychology deals with the soul. That's the word psyche, psyche, psyche means soul. So, you know, a good, a good therapist knows the balance of the, the chemical imbalance if there's a chemical imbalance and stuff like that versus, you know, developing good habits and why you should develop those habits and developing virtue itself. Um, I think what it is, 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 you know, with sloth, a lot of people struggle with what is my, why, what is my meaning and purpose in life? Um, right. and we find out that, you know, it's to make money. And of course, well, people, some, most people can't make millions of dollars. And even if they do, they're not necessarily happy. And, and part of it's control and part of it's doing the will of God. Uh, we, we always say, you know, your will be done father, but how often do we really mean that? I mean, we say it, but do we really mean it? And it's usually the thing is God calls us to those things that we um, have the loathing. I don't know what else word to use, but loathing towards, Um, you know, and that's for me, I I realize the most when I'm able to look at those things I hate the most and despise doing the most. um, That's when I grow in holiness the fastest. And grace.
1: I, you know, one of the quotes from that paper that we're kind of talking about a CD in the workplace Mm -hmm. um, you know, describes an entangled struggle of hate and desire Mm. for the listless one hates whatever is in front of him and desires what is not there. And the more desire drags the monk down and the more hate chases him out of his cell. And the cell, this, this imagery of the cell is where God resides. Mm -hmm. So when they say, go back to your cell, it's to go back and dwell with God and to be present with him. Mm -hmm. But I think that's interesting how many times, you know, for us in our own work, no matter what your, your profession is, um, might look back and say that we kind of struggled with this a little bit. You know, we don't want to do what's right in front of us. We don't want to work on that particular task. And then we just have this constant desire of what we don't have in our job. Okay. You know, maybe it's, I, I don't want to do this task. I really want to do this task, but it doesn't even exist uh, right there in that place we could be experiencing. Mm.
0: So, But no, that's, and you, you nailed it. Like the cell and even the book, The Noonday Devil talks about that, the, the, um, the monastic life and everything, how being, um, what's the word I want to use? Being. It's a place a of
1: struggle and a yeah. place of temptation and a place of joy. So like yeah. all of those things. Thing
0: we live in a culture that, likes, that glorifies multitasking. And we kind of have to nowadays. We have to multitask. But the reality is, is, is that really a good thing in a sense of, okay, so we're multitasking or are we just distracting ourselves from what we should be doing? And there's that's, a, that's a fine line. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I think there's a false impression that if you are connected to God, in a spiritual life, mm-hmm. that that means that you're going to be free of any challenges, yeah. that everything should be easy because you're right with God, but the more that we grow closer to God, it was in Saint. John the Cross who has the quote, "When you're presented to pass, you take um, you know the one with the most challenges because that's probably where you're going to find God. I'm totally yeah. paraphrasing that one, but but really, I mean, I have discovered that the more that I have grown in my faith. Mm-hmm. The more that I've been working for the church, the more ways that I've ministered to people that I've done anything that's going to give glory to God, the more that I feel the evil one is knocking at my door and making it really hard for me to do anything. Mm-hmm. Um, do you find that in your life? Yeah. That, and that's, that's actually, to
0: well, that's why I give in a sloth so much because I, I my attitude is, is there's no hope. And what's the point? And, you know, the temptation I'm constantly falling into is doubt. Um, that, okay, this ministry or that, what I'm doing with this person, how I'm helping that person, um, is is they going to really help anyone? And actually, actually, as I'm looking through the book, that's one of the things is discouragement. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, the part of the sloth is discouragement. Um, Here we go. He talks about priests here at this point, but I think for anyone who does ministry or tries to serve God has the same um, temptations. It says, there is no doubt the most obvious manifestation of ascidia today among priests, a young, even among clergy, uh, we will never make it. It is too difficult. Given continually decreasing number of priests, the individual collapses under the weight of the responsibility. Moreover, the external results are truly meager. After so much trouble and effort, the small number of the faithful at mass have scarcely increased. The young people are no longer going to church. Fewer and fewer Catholics are receiving the sacraments, and so on. Uh, After the first months and the first few years spent giving without content to cost, cost, and sometimes even without measure, one may experience, and this is what I've experienced, one may experience, as he says, the collapse of the soul, of which uh, Eva Gria spoke, a collapse that is uh, physiologically and psychologically repercussions since acedia is found precisely at one's limit of bodily and spiritual capacities. Here we go. The priest then is prey to the deepest discouragements, which can even lead him to question his vocation. What if I was mistaken? Mm. And I think, I think me doing ministry, that's, those are the exact thoughts that go through my head. Did I choose the right vocation? Is this worth my time? Um, you know, I, I think our CIA, as years have gone on, numbers have decreased, and in evangelization, all the ministries and energy I put forth, and little fruit was born, at least from my perspective, from God's perspective, who knows, um, going through those struggles. So,
1: well, you know, last time we were talking about confession and mm-hmm. the importance, the value, the redemption in confession. And when I was talking about my story, when I had gone back to confession for a very long period of time, and I thought I was not worthy of God's love because right. of all of my choices. And some of them were not a choice, the experiences I had, but some I didn't make my own choices as well and had to live with them. But, you know, in, in your comment, in your reference of what you were just saying, that's what I also think about is I didn't think I was worthy.
0: Mm.
1: You know, I, I, was not worthy to work for the church. Cause at that time I was just starting to volunteer and I was being a catechist and I was helping lead formation. Yeah, but not me. I'm not worthy. I'm not good enough for that. Um, you know, God, and we have to remember that in every single person there's beauty and every person on this earth, there is beauty because God created you and you were made in the image of God. And, uh, but, so I can understand, I can relate it exactly to the example of the priest. I mean, how many times we've all have gone through that ourselves, mm-hmm. that we're not worthy. Right. You know, I'm it's, in the wrong job.
0: Yeah, it's, well, it's not even a matter of the unworthiness. It's just, we're not bearing fruit. I know my biggest struggle, my my biggest temptation is, you know, when I was years younger, I'm thinking I'm going to help all these people and all these people, lead all these people to conversion. And and that's what the priests are, you know, good young priests think the same thing, which is a wonderful thing. And then as they get thrown into a parish, they have those struggles of recognizing, oh, not everyone's going to agree with me. Oh, I'm not going to have all the answers, and it leads that sense of sloth and you know and discouragement, especially over time. I think that's one of the things I've noticed being in the Catholic Church for so many years. There are two, you know, seeing the older priests who are you know, in their sixties and seventies, it usually goes one extreme, even in ministry, people who have done ministry for their whole life. It usually goes one extreme or the other. It's either a a deep, deep bitterness towards the church and their faith life and they lost their faith pretty much. And they're just bitter or an extreme joy um, in their vocation. And I have seen that as, as, you know, priests who have gotten older and just ministers as well. And what's, what was the difference between the two is, those who have joy didn't get discouraged. Um, they were doing the things for the right intentions and the right reasons. And they do it because they genuinely care about the people and things of that nature. Um, and, and they were docile to God's plan. Um, for me, you know, I know I've grown in bitterness and sloth because, um, I didn't get the fruit that I wanted. You know, when I did this ministry or that ministry, it didn't bear the fruit the way I wanted it to. Cause it's really God who does it and my own pride who's get gets in the way. And, um, that that's been a hard thing for me. So finally, the more I can just settle down be, be present to where I'm at and happy where I'm at, the smoother things go. I learned.
1: So I think it's good for us to talk about how can someone identify.
0: Yeah.
1: If they are experiencing this, if they're experiencing this sin. So what would you say is a way to filter out if, you know, if, if that's what they have?
0: Um. You know, I, 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 I for me it's added, it starts with the attitude. All seven deadly sins have improper thinking and the wrong attitude towards the way we should see reality in God. So for me, it's always that sense of loathing to want to do the good, not wanting to do the good. Um, and the hard part with sloth in the book and, and other places I'm sure you've read in your article is that it's all the other seven deadly sins you're doing something. So with gluttony, you're, you're eating too much or you're indulging in too much. Lust, you know, it's pretty obvious. Um, anger, wrath, right? You're throwing your temper. The hard part with sloth is not, it's the opposite. So it's not the fact that you're doing something. It's the lack of doing something or you're doing so much, but it's in the wrong areas.
1: That's right. So,
0: so it's hard to identify. So really sloth deals with the sins of omission. Like we said in the litany or prayed in the litany, you know, how many of those inspiration that God has given us to to be present to this person and we're thinking about something else, that email we had to send out when we should have been present to that person in front of us? Mm-hmm. You know mm-hmm. um, those little things, and so for me, you know, trying to remember to confess when I go to confession. The first step is going to confession and confess those sins of omission, confess those times we didn't listen to our conscience or those inspirations that the Holy Spirit was moving to. Um, confessing that when someone was in front of us, we weren't present to them, or or whatever it may be. Um, confessing that we don't believe that God can use us. As you were saying earlier, you know, you believe you weren't worthy. Right. Well, guess what? You're not and neither am I. The hard part for you at least you had humility. That's why God used you. Me on the other hand, I have a huge ego cuz I have a stupid degree which is, you know, and all that means is you have a bigger ego I think in And end. that's
1: why I didn't get the degree. That's yeah, why sure. I didn't do it. I didn't get student loans either.
0: I'm not of dollars in no, debt. No, I'm not getting the master's
1: degree. Absolutely not. No. Well, you know, um, you know, one of the examples that I saw is um Especially for, you know, kids that are struggling Mm
0: -hmm.
1: that are, you know, are they, are the activities that they're choosing to distract themselves with, like surfing on the internet and being on Netflix all day and, you know, all those different things that are completely far from what they're supposed to be doing. Like, okay, let's just talk just briefly, you know, if, if my daughter heard that Mm -hmm. from God, that message from God, Mm -hmm. what has she done with that message since then?
0: The right? one she got years ago, you mean? or months? No, ago? the
1: one that she just got, you know, about God saying, if you want to be healed, it's through me. Oh, okay. So like that was just in the past month.
0: Okay. She, so... she
1: heard that message. Now, if she, has she taken the time? I don't know. I haven't asked yeah. her. All right. Has she taken the time to sit in um, and unpack that message and spend more time in prayer to connect and, and go in her cell and yeah. dwell with him to find out what it is that she should work on, um, mm-hmm. that she should set goals for, that she should persevere in? Does she know what she needs to even tackle? Has she done that?
0: Well, first yeah. of all, it's not her. I mean, this is the whole point. It's about listening. And so, you know, like we said with Assyria, it's the other extreme as well. Uh, it, uh, part of Assyria sloth cannot always be just laziness, not loathing the good, but being so busy with life. And I think so many people struggle with this as parents and stuff that we don't even realize that that's the sin of sloth in a certain sense, that we're so busy doing all of the non-important things, and we keep ourselves so busy that we don't take time to listen. So that's another form of sloth. So, And especially with teenagers when they're so inundated with technology, to the teach them to slow down and stop and listen, that's a very hard thing to do. But that's because they've been struggling with sloth watching TV for hours. My kids are doing it. I, I, I got to figure out how to handle this. I don't, I'm struggling with this at home. You know, because all they do is watch TV. Because we have nothing to do, and I'm not very interactive person. I'm a very quiet person, um, which is not always a good thing.
1: We're not talking about just being lazy. I mean, in in the sin of ascidia, isn't it not that you are distracting yourself with things so you can avoid what you're supposed to be doing?
0: Right, and this is I'm going back to your daughter. You know, Mm -hmm. is she able to take the time, or she is she able to? Turn all the technology off and sit with the room and feel comfortable with herself. No. Yeah, exactly. No. <laughs> no one. No I, teenagers. And to be honest, yeah. I was gonna say,
1: yeah, what teenager can do that?
0: Yeah.
1: How many? I, I, I am sure there are some out there. God yeah. bless you if you are raising one of these kids. Yeah. But I think a lot of kids don't. You know, they are constantly internally judging themselves. Mm-hmm for who they are, what they didn't do, what they could accomplish. Their own pride is getting in the way of that.
0: Right, their own identity, self-worth. Yeah, obviously. so
1: instead of dwelling with it, they're just making themselves busy in the right. external right. world so they don't have to deal with it.
0: Right, exactly. And so the solution, at least the solution was for me, I can't say this for everyone, was when I was in high school, um, and this is before we had cell phones and everything else, so it was probably easier. But for me, the solution was adoration. Um, I, When I lived in Massachusetts, there were a few places that had perpetual adoration that you can go in. I know the church was always open where we live. Of course, that doesn't work anymore. But I knew that those, I remember many nights um, hanging out with my friends, probably getting into trouble when I should not have been getting into trouble going, (laughs) keeping myself busy. That was the hard part too. Like I just want to be busy all the time, socializing and hanging out like we all do. You know, what do we do? We go drive up and down the street a million times because we have nothing to do, but we got to be doing something. We can't just be sitting around. That's, that was like the, the motto of a teenager, right? And still is today. And so for me, the only way I was able to overcome those was when I spent time in adoration because I was able to get all that stuff out and at least when I was in adoration, I had the grace of the blessed Sacrament, and it was a different area. Like trying to do it in your room, I think is very hard to do because you look at your room, you think, oh, I gotta do my laundry. I gotta make the bed. I gotta, it's a familiar place. Um, work, it's hard to do. But when you go to adoration, you're kind of put, brought out of yourself into a different atmosphere. Um, it helps. And so my suggestion, and this is what I do want to do with my kids, just start having them go to adoration, even 10 minutes. Like my son, Josh, Cannot sit still for 10 minutes in adoration. Like we went to Adoration last week and he was like <laughs> gone. Like he's like, I gotta go, I okay, gotta get out of here. I'm gonna go to St. Francis statue and hang out over there. and he comes back and he goes away and comes back.
1: Look at all the pretty lights. Oh my goodness, yeah. is that color stained glass window Squirrel. in there?
0: Yeah. <laughs> but at least it's a start. And I think that's the thing. Absolutely. I think I think bringing your team to adoration is a start just to get them to disconnect and do it. The key here is doing consistently. Um mm-hmm. so like schedule a time, say we're gonna go to Adoration once a week at this time and make that a priority um, is the first step.
1: I think that it's a great idea, but also really any form of prayer, mm-hmm. any form of meditation and prayer would be beneficial. Um, you know, you can use Ignatius spirituality, where you can put yourself within the story. You can read scripture, you can do lexio, um, but prayer is really important. That silence because now we have to recondition ourselves to the negative thoughts that we've been telling ourselves, And Mm -hmm. the only way to recondition yourself is to kind of do the opposite of what you've been doing. So if you've been so busy with all these tasks, now you need to stop the busyness. Now you need to sit in the silence. And when you sit in the silence, that's where we can hear God and be present with him. So I agree with that. But um, I think there's also some other tips that I've heard too. Uh, You have before mentioned perseverance.
0: Yeah. Well, that's the key perseverance. So whatever you're doing spiritually, keep doing it and don't get discouraged. But what's interesting is another way to overcome it is through leisure. Uh, Joseph Pieper wrote a book uh, called Leisure. And really because of the Industrial Revolution in the beginning of the 1800s, that's what man became. Man became very materialistic and very, um, what's the word I want to use? Practical, you know, Uh, everything was, was, uh, that was the thing. And so we wanted things, we wanted things faster and very materialistic in that sense. So the hard part is we never, up before the Industrial Revolution, we had time to sit down and do nothing. And that was okay. If you're a farmer, yeah, you planted, you had a lot of work to do, but there are seasons during during certain seasons where you couldn't do anything. You just kind of sat around and found a hobby. And that's why it was very interesting when I was in formation. A lot of times they would, uh, they would I was always asked, do you have a hobby? And I was like, no, I don't have time for a hobby. Even now, like, <laughs> do you have a hobby? Like, no, I don't have time, but that's because I struggle with sloth because I always need to keep mm. super busy or do nothing. And it's very interesting because I'm reading this article from Franciscan university about sloth. And it says this, it says, um, sloth or acedia is contrary to leisure because while leisure is an openness to reality, Sloth is a habitual sorrow in front of reality, and specifically, spiritual reality. This Mm. sadness is so oppressive that the person who suffers from sloth wants to do nothing and experiences a sluggishness of the mind. Slothful people are idle, restless, agitated, and often workaholics. They are spiritually lazy and easily bored. The worst form of sloth is despair, which is ultimately, quote, a refusal to be oneself. Mm. Even a superficial reflection of the current cultural crisis makes it evident enough that this refusal to be oneself characterizes the present moment. Consider the staggering opioid crisis and the skyrocketing rates of youth suicide as two examples among the many. So as your daughter is talking about herself and finding her identity, it's because of this sloth in a sense she can't figure out who she is. Why? Because there's no connection to anyone. We can't know who we are unless we relate to other people. But with Mm -hmm. our technological world, that makes it almost impossible. Um, In Vatican II, there's a great quote in Gaudium Asbestos says, man cannot fully know himself unless he gives the sincere gift of himself. Mm -hmm. John Paul uses that. And so if we want to know who we are, we have to give ourselves to others. But guess what? That takes time and takes leisure. And it can't be always in a very dogmatic, classic, um, in a classroom setting. It just has to be small talk. This is my struggle with sloth. I hate small talk. I feel like it's a waste of time. (laughs) Like let's have a deep theological discussion about Thomistic metaphysics or something, right? Or, or something else. but when, <laughs> I was going to say, I don't yeah. think
1: so. <laughs> All
0: right. But that's what's so hard is like when my wife gets together with her family, mm-hmm. they talk for like 12 hours. They talk to four in the morning, because, but they always do that in leisure. That's their leisure time is talking to each right. other and, and being present to each other.
1: Mm-hmm. I
0: can't do that.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, and she has been picking up uh, the hobby of sewing.
0: That's great. I was so
1: impressed with her the other day. She, her first sewing project is she sewed a bucket hat.
0: Like
1: she just, she left the room and she came back with this bucket hat. And I thought, wow, I couldn't sew a bucket hat and I have a sewing machine. So that is really cool. But I think you're right. The more that we can find those leisure hobbies, maybe it's coloring. Maybe it's, you know, doing a puzzle. Yeah. It's just sitting there on the front porch, watching the cars go by. (laughs) Actually, that's not bad. It's the hard part.
0: Yeah. No. And the hard part for me though, like all my hobbies were sinful hobbies
1: oh yeah that could be a problem it was a problem
0: (laughs) so you know it was it was playing video games and Mm -hmm. now now playing a little bit of video games but you may not be wrong you know playing atari 20 years ago asteroids or Pac Man wasn't bad but now they've gotten so graphic and everything else i mean they're pretty bad nowadays so i i've turned that off so but that was my hobby i would do that for hours on end which was not healthy either it's more of an addiction.
1: you played zelda didn't you
0: i did Yes. And final (laughs) fantasy. So that was the problem. I had a hobby, but it was more of an addiction. And, and so, and that stemmed from other addictions. So that was the struggle I've always had was like, what is doing the will of God wasting time, but not it being sinful. And I think a lot of people struggle with that. So I think sewing is a great thing. And that's the thing with leisure. The point of leisure is to do something that makes you a better person because you want to do it. Not because you have to do it. Not because your teacher told you or mom and dad, but simply you want to become a better person. So that's why I'm reading, you know, scholastic metaphysics because hopefully it's making me a better person and it's challenged me to to understand things and think um, and my head hurts. So, <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well, and I think by having those leisure activities helps you discover a little bit more about yourself exactly. and who you are because mm-hmm. we're all made so different. We're all made to have different talents and different gifts, but unless you can spend the time to discover those things, you'll never find it. And then you'll just fill it with a bunch of other stuff, you know, shows and video games. And and there's a time and place for that. I'm not saying. I'm a good movie buff. I like some good movies. But if I'm going to sit there all day and just watch the television all day with mindless things, that's just a distraction. For what yeah. I know that I'm supposed to be doing yeah. and how I'm supposed to be contributing to my vocation and my role here in the family. Did you see Clueless?
0: Yes. Okay. So th-
1: we, can, we could kind of use the same parallel in clueless, right? right? She distracts herself constantly with shopping and all these other mm-hmm. things. And when she stops and spends the time to redirect her activity towards service and mm-hmm. serving other people through that fundraiser, yeah. she discovers more who she is. It transforms herself. And then she is able to build better relationships with others. So mm-hmm. there you go.
0: Yeah, there you uh, go. Yeah. No, but that's what I was thinking. As we're talking about leisure, that's the whole thing. We talked about uh just eating at the dinner table. I mean, that's supposed to be a leisurely activity, but we don't do that anymore. Um, mm-hmm. or just having a conversation about my wife about whatever, you know, and that's one of the things I struggled with. Maybe Annie, and I were first married, we would talk about um it was always business. It was always like the finances or work or something, but it was never just talking for the sake of talking. Um,
1: we used to in the very early you know, years of our dating that's mm-hmm. all that we did was just talk yeah that's why dating is so important like dating yeah. even though when
0: you're married is so important too
1: and even after you're married to still date that's really important too I know. you we could well, talk about that another time I, my
0: wife <laughs> my, get my wife on this so.
1: yeah we should that would be fun we can get both mandy and marty in here and have this conversation then there's going to be a real dirty, you know, picture painted about us, you know, yeah. <laughs> we really are. No. But, um, but if you find that yourself as a listener, you're listening to what we have to say and you think, you know, that might be me. Um, you know, we invite you to really explore the topic a little bit more um, on Internet, through books, whatever, um, through spiritual director, through your own priest, just to have a conversation because there are solutions. There's ways that you can grow beyond this and past this and um, to be able to live the fruitful life that you were designed to have. But um, other than that, we just really want to thank you for joining us for this conversation. We encourage you to follow us subscribe to our podcast and more importantly rate us please um we ask you to um, no matter the rating no matter the comments just go ahead and share that let's have those continued conversations also on social media on our facebook page and instagram but we thank you so much for your time for listening to us amen have have a wonderful day god bless you
0: all (laughs)